This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with the fall guy. What are you doing later? Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes! Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Nope. Because I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. Car has to work quickly. Down to six seconds. Car going down again. And it's Quentin Williams this time for the Jets. And welcome back to another episode of the Cool Your Jets podcast. We're your host, Ben Blessington and Michael Nania. A very special episode today. We are lucky enough to be joined by Tony Pauline, who's an NFL draft analyst at ProFootballNetwork.com. Tony, how you doing, man? I'm okay. I'm also a New York Jets season ticket holder. In fact, oh. up, until, uh, up until last year, I had not missed attending a Jets home game. Uh, for almost 40 seasons. Last time I missed attending a Jets home game until fans were not allowed in the stadium last year was November 1981 when they uh, beat the Dolphins at Shea Stadium. So it's safe wow. to assume it's safe to assume you'll be back week one, uh, 2021. Uh, I will. I mean, unless they uh, <laughs> unless they, you know, kind of say you can't go because we're only allowing a certain number of people in. Right. And can, just refund my money for the season tickets but uh yeah i mean if they allow fans in i i intend on being in the parking lot 10 o'clock in the morning tailgating well let's talk about the guy that should supposedly be under center week one it seems like it's going to be zach wilson i mean that's all the buzz how confident are you that zach wilson will be the picket too do you think there's any chance that there's a, a major upset and they take a justin fields or a mac jones or a trey lance 99.9% it's Zach Wilson. I, I mean, I, these are the Jets and you never know. I mean, uh, every time, uh, this time of year, you always see the Kyle Brady and the uh, Mike Haight and the uh, Jeff Lagerman videos of, of, of drafts past. Uh, but I, I'd say it's about 99.9% that it's Zach Wilson as well. It should be. He's the perfect fit for that offense. He's a much better fit than any of those other uh, quarterbacks. Uh, he's a guy who's on the upswing. You always want to get a quarterback when he's playing his best football and, Zach Wilson's definitely playing his best football. I think he's got the confidence to do it. I uh, don't think he's got a great vertical arm, but I think they will adjust for that because the Jets really don't have great vertical receivers, so it's not sure be an issue. So we pretty much know what's going to happen at number two for the Jets, but for them, the draft really starts at number 23 with that Seahawks pick. Um, so directions they could go, they have a lot of different needs. They could address defense, cornerback, edge, linebacker, but offensive line is the prime need. Uh, so what have you heard and what do you think the Jets might the Jets do? Jets have been pick? very quiet. I mean, I, if you follow me, I was on top of the story about Sam Darnold being traded and Zach Wilson uh, being their guy before it actually happened. But I will be honest and tell you that 
it's been very quiet what they're going to do with that second pick in round one. Now, I think if he's there, Tevin Jenkins, I know they, I know they like Tevin Jenkins. So I think that's gotta be a consideration. Uh, the talented offensive tackle from Oklahoma state, a athletic left, a right tackle. People think uh, can move over to the left side. Obviously the jets don't need that, but again, I think he's a good system fit. He's a zone blocker, six, six, 317 pounds, ran under five seconds during his pro day. His 10 time was good. You watch him play. He's a tall guy who blocks with excellent knee bend. I think that's a consideration, you know, any of the, uh, cornerbacks that are there would be a concern. If Caleb Farley of Virginia Tech is there, it's, be, he's, it's because he's dropped because of back issues. So you got to be concerned about that. I think Greg Newsom of Northwestern, that's a bit of a reach. What do they do if a top pass rusher is there? You know, if a, uh, if a quitty pay happens to fall to them, I think that's, that's a perfect fit. I don't think pay will be there. Do they take a chance on a Jalen Phillips of uh, Miami of Florida? I think that's a little bit early. He's got some uh, past medical issues with concussions. So I think the signs point to offensive line at this point in time. How likely would you say a trade is for the Jets on day one? Joe Douglas alluded to the fact that they've done some groundwork and that if a player, maybe like an Alicia Vera Tucker or JC Horn or somebody were to fall past 15 or so, maybe that he could move up. Um, but on the flip side of that, maybe he could move down if none of those guys are, are that he's targeting at 23 available. How likely would you say a trade is for, for the Jets at the back half of, of day one? I, you know, I, I think you, you, you look at the, the history of Douglas when he was with Philadelphia and Philadelphia was not afraid to move up or down the board. So uh, I think if an opportunity arises, Olivier Tucker, I'm sure they would use him at guard, which is uh, a significant need. If the price isn't too much, I'm sure they would move up. If they are not sold on Jenkins or somehow Jenkins is not there, you know, rather than reach for one of the one of the cornerbacks, if they can make a move down for a team that wants to slide up, I, I think uh, that is also an opportunity. I think the Jets, I, I think the opportunity of, of, of a trade up or down is as realistic of that as just them sitting there and selecting a, a player. Looking at the first three rounds of the draft outside of the number two pick, how would you rank the Jets' needs and priorities in terms of positions on the early parts of the draft? And then how would you compare your personal preferences to what you might've heard the Jets might be valuing more or less compared to what we might think they will. Uh, offensive line, offensive line, and more offensive line than cornerback. I also think they need a receiver. Obviously they got to figure out the tight end position. Um, and I think that's the way they see it too. I, I, you know, he basically drafted good players last year and filled needs there's no reason to think he, he being Joe Douglas, won't do the same thing. I think it's going to be an offensive heavy draft, except for you will see a cornerback here inserted here and there. And I also think that if a edge rusher, a talented edge rusher happens to fall on their laps, they're not going to look away from that. Yeah. I mean, you mentioned offensive line, offensive line, offensive line. How, how realistic do you think it is that the jets will hit a situation where they hit 23 and Tevin Jenkins isn't there. Elijah Vera Tucker isn't there. Those top offensive linemen aren't there. And then you're stuck in a position where it's like, do you reach for a guy like Creed Humphrey or Landon Dickerson, or maybe you wait until the, the second pick uh, of the second round with Wyatt Davis or somebody like that. I mean, if there's an early run on offensive linemen, how likely do you think it is that Joe Douglas will ignore the, maybe the talent on the board for the need of the offensive line? If there's a run on one position, that means other talented players are falling down. So if there's a run on offensive linemen, 
That means you could have a good edge rusher there. And if the Jets don't like him, there's always a market for that. You may have a receiver there. I don't think J.C. Horn will be there. Uh, would be there. I think that was it. Would be manna from heaven for the New York Jets. There's no way J.C. Horn's getting out of the top 12. Uh, but it, you know, in your scenario, if there is a run on offensive lineman, that means that other highly rated players could be available at 23 for the Jets to select or make a move down. As far as Creed Humphrey, I like Creed Humphrey a lot, but I think he's more top around too. As far as, as, far as Landon Dickerson's concerned. Number one, I don't think it's a good fit for the Jets scheme. And while I like him as a player, his medicals are an absolute disaster. And right. I, you could, as I wrote an article on Pro Football Network earlier this week about how he got a three minus during combine medicals. Three minus will usually drop a guy into the very late rounds. I think with Dickerson, it's probably going to be a two or three grade penalty on him. And one position that the Jets uh, do have a big need at, but hasn't gotten too much attention is the linebacker spot. So do you see the Jets maybe going after someone like Wusu Koromo in the first round if he falls, uh, Zayvon Collins potentially, or in the second round with someone like Jamin uh, Davis? Yeah, I, I don't, well, two things. Uh, Collins, I think, would, is a better fit for a pure 3-4 defense. Right. And the Jets are not running a pure 3-4 defense. They're going to kind of run a hybrid. And I don't know that Collins fits that sort of hybrid system. Uh, Wusu Koromora, I mean, would be a nice pick. I don't know if he's going to be there. There would be trade opportunities, I believe, with a team like the uh, Cleveland Browns. And, and Jamin Davis, I think, is a, is a lock-solid first-round pick. I don't think he's going to be there for the Jets in the second round. See, but the problem is this is, you know, first round, what are the Jets going to do the first round? You know, they, they got their talented players in rounds two, three, and even four. I mean, if the Jets want a linebacker they can come away with a darn good one and a guy like Derek Barnes from Purdue at the top of round four I would suspect that he's going to be there you know maybe Chaz Surratt of North Carolina if they're looking for more of an outside weak side type linebacker uh, in the third round so there will be you know there's everyone concentrates on the first round but the draft is seven rounds and 259 selections this year. And as we saw last year with the punter in the sixth round, yeah. the Jets got a, hit a home run there. Yeah, I think day two of the draft is always my favorite day. Uh, and I think it's one that Joe Douglas plans to capitalize on a lot. When you look at the Jets, obviously we know pick one's going to be a quarterback. You can infer the next two picks are going to be either offensive line, maybe corner, linebacker, et cetera. But eventually the Jets are going to have to address their skill position players, their tight ends, running backs, receivers. And that probably won't get addressed until round two at the earliest, but probably more like round three, round four. Who are some of the guys that you like um, for the Jets in that that spot, skill position wise, you know, tight ends, running backs and receivers? Well, I mean, it's a very, very deep receiver uh, class once again. Now, the Jets, you know, they look kind of set at receiver, you know, sign Corey Davis. You got Crowder, who's a good slot receiver, Denzel Mims, who when he was healthy last year, really showed to be himself to be the real deal. And a guy that, uh, as I said all along, was ridiculously underrated. I mean, I think they would like somebody to stretch the field, maybe an Anthony Schwartz in the third round. He's got blazing speed, a 2-2 Atwell, who I have as a fourth rounder. I know a lot of people think he's a day two pick. I just don't know how you draft a guy that's 146 pounds in the first 90 selections of, uh, of the draft, uh, maybe a semi Fajoko of uh, Stanford, who's a bigger guy, but who also ran incredibly fast and is really just starting to, uh, to see the light go on, really just starting to, to turn the corner. The tight end position is probably one of the worst in the draft, uh, worst positions in the draft this year. You got Kyle Pitts at the top. You got Pat Fryermuth, 
uh, in round two. And then you got a lot of question marks. I like Tommy Tremble. I think he's a consideration for the Jets in round three if he's there. Um, but he t- he's going to need a lot of work before he's, he's ready. Uh, Reverend Jordan of Miami of Florida, again, third round type guy. Uh, but I, I, again, he's going to need work before he is truly ready. Keep an eye on Ben Mason. Uh, I keep hearing this name affiliated with the Jets. Ben Mason, the fullback, H-back, sort of multi-purpose player uh, from Michigan. I know the Jets like him. He's a guy that is a terrific blocker. He's a sensational receiver out of the backfield. He's a, oh, he does a solid job running, sort of like the Kyle Jusick, or I should say Kyle Jusick type. So he would be a good, an excellent fit for that system. I could absolutely see the Jets making a move towards Ben Mason in that fifth, sixth round. And looking at the draft as a whole, what do you expect Joe Douglas's overall philosophy philosophy to be? Because it's so hard to pick up on that right now after he's only had one draft as the GM. But we always look at um, how sort of different G- GMs approach the draft, whether it's best player available, drafting for need, how aggressive they are trading up or down. Um, so what do you expect Joe Douglas to do in this draft with so many picks and so many needs to fill? I, I mean, I thought on paper he did a good job last year. Obviously, Mecky Becton panned out and looks like the real deal. The other guys played well when they were healthy. We, ne- we never saw what we had with Jabari Zuniga. Now, I, I go back to last year because it seemed last year he was able to fill needs with highly rated players. Of course, with the Jets, that's not a very difficult thing to do because they have needs all over the field. So, you know, usually time and time again, your best player available fit a need. I, I think, I don't think he's going to draft off the board. You know, if, if you know the way NFL boards are constructed, I think he'll stay true to his board. I mean, sometimes what happens is the highest rated player or, or the player that is perceived to be the highest rated on the outside is not always the highest rated player on a team's board. So they could take a player, uh, that a lot of people think is a reach, but still, I think based on last year, he did a good job filling needs with with highly rated players. I think that'll be the mo moving forward. In your mock draft, in your opinion, who do you have the Jets ultimately selecting with their first three picks at two twenty three and thirty four? I have uh, obviously Zach Wilson, Tevin Jenkins, and then Creed Humphrey. I know they like Creed Humphrey a lot. He's a lot like Nick Bangled at equal points in his career. He has short arms, which is a concern for some people. I believe they were under 32 inches. But when you're center, you can get away with having short arms. Terrific player for three years. Fundamentally sound. Again, fits the system. Zone blocking lineman that's fluid on his feet and get out to the second level, take, out, take linebackers out of the action. And a smart, tough guy who I believe was like 312 pounds, weighed a little bit heavier, which is in this case was good on his pro day. Do you think that in that situation, if they were to take a Creed Humphrey, that they would bump Connor McGovern out to guard, play Humphrey at center, and then Jenkins at the other guard spot? Makes the most sense as far as I'm concerned. I mean, McGovern is is a multi-purpose guy. I know they signed him last year as a free agent, but you know he's moved all over last year because of uh, injuries. So yeah, I, I think uh, they move him out to guard. It could be a situation. I mean, you got Kyle Van Rotten there, who uh, you know I, I don't know that it was worth the uh, the paper the contract was signed on last year. So you move uh, McGovern out to a guard, you, you move Humphreys into center. And then if you draft George, uh, Tevin Jenkins, or even if you don't, I mean, George Fant was solid at times last year. He's got an, a lot of upside. You want to really see him turn the wick up uh, and play at a high level every single, uh, every single down and really elevate his game. Otherwise, 
you could have a terrific right tackle out there in Tevin Jenkins as per my mock draft or what you just asked me. Right. And last question for you, obviously, you know, the Jets are bringing in a whole new coaching staff, different schemes. We're not necessarily exactly sure what the offense is going to look like, presumably a, a mesh of Green Bay and San Francisco. How much do you think Joe Douglas will value the scheme fit as opposed to the talent? Because we know that those guys like Creed Humphrey or, or Landon Dickerson, those are guys that are man gap um, power guys. And, you know, Creed Humphrey maybe could make that transition, but you expressed that concern with Dickerson. And then there's players, you know, in, in other spots. You talked about Zayvon Collins earlier, who is an amazing talent and I think will be a, a standout pro, but he's probably better in that 3-4 outside linebacker role and like a Brian Flores type of defense. So how do you see them when you have a bad team like the Jets have in front of them and there's needs all over the place? How do you see them weighing that scheme versus that talent? Yeah, you have to find some sort of happy medium. I, I mean, that's why Bill Belichick is so good. That's why Bill Parcells was so terrific with the Jets, because if you look at the prior coaches, uh, uh, Bruce, what was his name? Bruce Coslett, those yeah. people, they would have their system and the players had to sit, fit their system. What the good coaches do is they build the system around their players. So you have to find a happy medium. I go back to Landon Dickerson. I don't think Landon Dickerson would be a good fit for this offense because he's not really, I, I mean, the offensive line is sort of similar to the one that Gase wanted athletic guys that are mobile and, and move well. Uh, and I don't think you know, Landon Dickerson fits that, but the bottom line is you've got to find some happy medium. You don't want to be drafting way off your board. You don't want to be going for reaches, but then again, you know, a lot of times those guys may not even be on the Jets board. I mean, the, the, the NFL teams construct their boards with just 125 players. They don't have the 800, you know, 890 guys graded that you'll find at Pro Football Network the way I do every year. And, and this year is a light year. It's usually 1,100. You know, they're going to expand their boards to 175. So a lot of the players that may not be fits that they don't like may not even be on the Jets board to begin with. That's that's insightful stuff right there. I didn't even know that they they only had 125 and now I guess 175 guys on their board. Tony, yeah, well, well, it's usually about 125 guys, right? Players that they like, players that, that they feel they will be able to draft. Right. And what happens is is as other teams select those players, they come off the board, and then when the team is called to the clock, they'll look at the players at the top of the board and they'll make you know they'll have a decision, right. decision arguments, and then whatever is left over. Uh, they try and sign as undrafted free agents. What's happening this year, as I reported in the show I do with um, uh, with Trey Wingo, is they've actually expanded the boards. Some teams have expanded the boards to 175 players because there was a concern that with such a dearth of talent, with so so many fewer names this year compared to other years, because players are going back for their second senior year, a la the new NCAA rule. Teams are expanding their boards to about 175 players because there's a concern that many of the names will be repeated around boards league-wide. Right. And when you get in those later rounds, those boards may be severely diminished. And that's where good scouting parts, uh, scouting uh, departments distinguish themselves. Uh, let's hope the Jets can uh, maybe just maybe get like one or two gems on day three of the draft. That would be maybe worthwhile. Ben Mason, Michigan. Remember ben, that? Name? All right, Ben Mason, Michigan. I'll remember that. Uh, and we were, we were talking about that on the podcast a few weeks ago. It's like – if you're going to run that San Francisco offense, Kyle Juszczyk is a huge part of it. It'd be intriguing to see if they can try to find somebody who can replicate that. Tony, thank you so much for coming on, man. That was uh, really insightful stuff. Really quickly, I guess, just let our listeners know where they can find you, where they can listen to your stuff. Um, again, really, really grateful to have you on. That was uh, some great stuff. 
Yeah, every Wednesday night, I do the Believe podcast with Chris Chipotle. We've been doing it for a couple of years now. In fact, that was the podcast where we broke the story that there was a big problem in the Jets front office between Mike McCagnin and uh, Adam Gase. Got a lot of grief about it when uh, when I uh, reported it, but uh, it evidently came true. So that that's out every Wednesday night. This year, this week, we may push it back to Tuesday uh, to get a day uh, day's jump start. And then at uh, Pro Football Network, obviously, uh, there's a free draft guide that people can go and download. There's the mock draft simulator, which people tell me is addictive. I don't know. I haven't used it because I'm afraid once I get on it, I won't be able to get off. And more importantly for Jet fans, uh, there will be some 700 scouting reports uh, by the time the draft starts. So you're not, not only will be able to find information on the players, the Jets draft, but also information on those guys that they signed after the draft as free agents. That's awesome. Great stuff, Tony. Uh, you can follow us at, cool, uh, at CYJ Pod on Twitter. You can follow myself at Ben W. Blessington, Michael at Michael underscore Nania. You can find us podcast wherever you listen to podcasts, iTunes, Spotify, Jets X Factor, which is the best place to go for Jets content. Tony, thank you so much for coming on the show, man. Uh, and as always, folks, the draft is just around the corner. It's an exciting time to be a Jets fan. Don't <laughs> let the Jets. Unfortunately. Has <laughs> to work quickly. Down to six seconds. Car going down again. And it's Quinton Williams this time for the Jets. The middle in the air, picked off. Ryan Poole to the end zone, touchdown. The punter to beat, and the punter brings him down. Braden Mann saved a touchdown most likely. Looks right, fires a bomb down the right sideline again for Mims. What a catch by Denzel Mims.